morning, boys and girls. This is Miss Catalic, and I'm just hanging out on my front porch, watching the sun sink a little bit lower into the sky. It's crazy how much we can feel autumn now. The light seems to be growing much more dim. The sky is a different color blue, and the shadows grow so long that Miss Catalic has to move all the way around to the side of her house to get any kind of sun. I miss those long summer days, but I have to be honest, I'm really looking forward to settling into autumn. Something about wearing cozy wool sweaters and long pants and sneakers and warm cozy scarves, it's probably my favorite time of year. Well, that being said, I cannot wait to see what happens in our next chapter of this book. I hope you all have been listening each week, twice a week for that matter, and I hope that you've been following along with all of the different adventures that Tall has gone on. There have been some really exciting things that he's been seeing and been doing. I think one of my absolute favorites is in this chapter here that we're about to hear. Tall gets to go on a really amazing adventure with Nooms or Noom and Millie Tinkle. And when I was a kid growing up, it was an adventure that I wished I had been able to go on. So sit back, relax, and get ready to hear chapter nine. Chapter 9 After the Melly Canoe had been on the nest for some time, he tucked his head under his wing and went to sleep. The sounder he slept, the louder he snored, until he was making a noise like thunder. When Noomsor Noom heard this, he was glad, for he knew that he could do what he had in mind. Quietly, he got up and took the coil of rope in his hand. Carefully, he fastened it to many places in the rim of the basket. Then he tied the ends to Melly Canoe's legs, high up above her knees, where they could not come undone. All this he did without once disturbing the bird. And when it was done, he sat down in the bottom of the basket and whispered to Tall, Stay right where you are and don't move. What we are going to do now is more dangerous than anything we have done thus far. We may be able to do it, and we may not. But whatever happens, you must stay absolutely quiet. With these words, he took out his silver wand and began to tickle the bird between the toes. The Melly Canoe woke up with a start. He laughed like a hyena and kicked his legs furiously. But no amount of kicking did any good. His small, weak legs only struck the side of the basket, for they were not long enough to reach down to the very bottom. And all the time, Nooms or Noom kept reaching up and tickling the bird between his toes. Soon the Melly Canoe could no longer stand it. She flapped her wings, rose from the nest, and flew off into the sky. 
thinking that in this way she could escape. But she was mistaken, for she carried the golden basket with her, and tall Noomzor Noom and Millie Tinkle were swept through the sky at a terrific speed. Now, it was the custom of the Melly Canoe always to fly straight up in the air before starting in any particular direction. By doing so, she got well out of sight before anyone could see where she was going. That night she did the same. Up and up she went, shrieking and laughing for all she was worth. The higher she went, the brighter the stars got, and the bigger the moon, so that there was soon enough light for Tall to see the Melly Canoe quite clearly. Her huge body was covered from one end to the other with golden feathers. Her tail was made of long, slender quills, each of which had a fan of feathers at the end. As she flapped her wings and flew, these fans opened and shut at different times, so that the whole tail seemed a mass of twinkling golden lights. On account of the length of her neck, her head was far away, but not so far that Tall could not see a turned-up beak and two burning eyes that cast beams of purple light in whatever direction they looked. All this Tall saw, and he thought to himself, What a magnificent bird! I wish I had one like her to take me everywhere I wanted to go. I could keep her in the house. Nobody else would have one like her. When the Melly Canoe was so high up that even the earth was out of sight, she bent her neck, stuck her head back, and looked down into the basket. Then she said, You have dared to do a thing that no one has ever done before. You have come to my nest and woven a basket out of my feathers, and you will stop tickling my feet. For if you do, I will grant you what you wish. Nooms or Nooms spoke to the bird and said, We mean you no harm. A whale left us in the land of trees, and we knew no way to get out unless you took us. Carry us to the river Zool, and I'll tickle you no more. When the bird heard these words, she was pleased. She said, That is easy. As you wish, so it shall be done. I'll take you to the Zool River tonight. After that, each did as they had agreed. Noomzor Noom put away his wand and stopped tickling the bird's toes. And the Melly Canoe stretched out her long neck and cried, Melly Canoe! Melly Canoe! Melly Canoe! And started off in the direction of the Zool. All that night the bird flew through the sky, carrying the golden basket with her. Nooms or Noom lifted Tall on the edge of the basket and held him there while he sat with his feet dangling over the edge. They flew so close to the moon that Tall waved to the man in the moon and shouted, Hello! And wouldn't you know, the man in the moon smiled and said, Hello, Tall. Where are you going? To Troom, said Tall. How did you know my name? 
I know every child's name, said the man. I watch over them at night. Not every night, said Tall. No, said the man. Some nights I don't look at all. Other nights I peep over the edge of the sky with part of my face. Then, sometimes, I think it best to take a good big look. Then you see my face in its entirety. That's a full moon, isn't it, said Tall. A what? asked the man, looking surprised. A full moon, said Tall. That's what we call it. So that's what they call me when I look down on them, the man muttered. He thought for a moment, and then said, Will you spell that for me? I'm not sure I understood what you said. F-U-L-L-M-O, began Tall. But before he had time to finish, he had passed by the moon and could talk to the man no more. Then they flew near so many of the stars, and all of a sudden they flew into what seemed like a fog. Only it was different from most fogs, for the air was filled with thousands of little diamond specks that sparkled and glistened with their own light. This was the Milky Way. After they had passed through it, Nooms or Noom gathered up all the specks that had fallen into the basket, and with great care he put them into a silver box and gave it to Tall. You keep this, he said. It will come in handy some day. Will they always shine? asked Tall, taking the box. Always, said the old man. Be careful not to lose it. I'd better leave it in the basket, said Tall. I might drop it now. And he handed it back to Nooms or Noom, who set it down where it would be safe. They passed by a small comet, and the old man caught a hold of it and gave it to Tall to play with. He held it by its tail and swung it around so that it made a great circle of light. Then he let it go and watched it disappear in the distance. So they went on through the sky, flying in and out among the stars. Not once during the whole night did they stop, nor did they see the earth at all. In the morning, just as the sun was lighting up the sky, and the stars, one after the other, were closing their eyes and going to sleep, the Meli canoe began to circle down toward the earth. Down and down and down she went in great circles, until Tall looked over the edge of the basket and could at last see the earth below. The land was flat, like a great plain, and through the middle of the plain ran a river. When they came near to the earth, Tall saw that the river was bright green. He turned to Nooms or Noom and said, What's that river below us? I have never seen a river that was such bright green. That's the Zool, said Nooms or Noom. It's all liquid jade. That's why it's so green. The very next minute, the Meli canoe swooped down so close to the river that the bottom of the basket rested on the water. But the bird still stayed in the air. He did not come down. Instead, she flew slowly toward the shore 
and dragged the basket in so close that it touched the land. Then she turned her head and said, I have done as I promised I would. Here you are on the shore of the river Zul. Now will you please untie me? I will, said Numzor Num. And he reached up and untied the rope from the bird's legs. As soon as her legs were free, the Meli canoe settled down on the water beside the basket. She stuck her head over the edge and asked, Who is this boy, and where is he going? I am taking him to Troom, said Numzor Noom. I have heard of that country, said the Meli canoe, but I have never been there. It's a long way off, isn't it? Yes, said Numzor Noom. Then he went on and told the bird how far they had come and how far they had traveled across the sea in a whale's stomach. After the old man had finished talking, Tall turned to the Meli canoe and said, These feathers that the basket is made of belong to you. Wouldn't you like them back? The Meli canoe was pleased with these words. She answered and said, Thank you for thinking of it, but really... They are of no use to me, and they may be of great use to you. Please keep them. Thank you, said Tall. Isn't there anything we can do for you? No, said the bird. I must be going. She swam off a short distance from the basket, and there she stopped to drink her fill of green water. After doing so, she flew away and was soon out of sight in the sky. When the Meli canoe had gone, Numzor Num said, This river rises in the mountains near Troom. Here we must stay until a boat comes by and picks us up, for we have neither oars nor sail. We have to get a boat to tow us. Because they had been up all night, the three of them were tired. So they lay down in the bottom of the golden basket and went to sleep. They did not wake up until late in the afternoon. Then Numzor Num said, I must read you another story. Otherwise, there will not be enough time for you to hear them all. You must hear every one. For whether I shall go to prison or not depends on the one you choose. He uncovered the crystal block and read Tall the story about Trumbilio the Magician. Trumbilio was a magician, and he lived in a cave in the side of a hill. The cave was not cold and dark. Instead, it was all fixed up in a marvelous way. The ceiling was shiny black with here and there a crystal star that twinkled like a real one. And on the floor, the magician had a rug made of nothing but pearls, just thousands and thousands of them all woven together with silver thread. Trimbilio was a funny little man, and he wore shoes with pointed turned-up toes. The shoes were gold, and out of the toe of each one shot a flame, an orange flame out of the right, and a green flame out of the left. His suit was of a soft velvet and changed color according to his wish. Now it was blue, now red, then yellow. On his head he wore a tiny peaked cap 
that gave forth a perfume like the sweetest rose in the world. All day and all night, Trumbilio lived in his cave. He never went out, and no one ever went in to see him, even though everyone knew he was there. For every now and then at night, people would sneak up to the door of his cave and peek inside. Then they would go back home and tell of the wonderful sights they had seen. How the magician had changed pebbles into jewels, how he had made a little marble figure come to life, how they had seen a little girl with him one night, and the next thing they saw was the little girl changed into a bird. The bird was like no other bird in the world. It sat on Trimbilio's shoulder, sang to him, and every time his suit changed color, the bird also changed. Such were the things people saw in the cave, but no one dared to go in. One night, a boy who had heard much about Trumbilio decided to go into his cave. He never said a word to his mother and father about what he was going to do. But after he had been in bed for a long time, and everybody in the house was sound asleep, he climbed out the window and ran off to see the magician. When he came to the cave, he knocked at the door, and Trumbilio said, Tell me who you are and come in. The boy said, My name is Zan, and he walked in. Trumbilio, seeing the boy, said, Why do you come here at this hour of the night? No one has ever come into my cave before, yet you dare to come in the middle of the night. Zan said, I have heard such and such and so and so about you. Now I have to come and see whether you can really do these things or not. Can you make a marble figure come to life? Can you change a person into a bird? If you'd like to show me some of these tricks, I'd like to see them. If not, I'll go back home. Trumbilio really appreciated the way the boy spoke. So he said, I can do all these things and more. Tell me what you want to see and I'll show it to you. The boy said, I would very much like to see a marble figure come to life. At that, the magician walked over and opened a silver door in the wall. He reached in and took out a marble figure of a boy about the size of Zan. Then he went to the back of the cave and stood the figure on a table. And he said to Zan, Watch, keep your eyes open and don't be afraid. With these words that the magician spoke, the cave became dark. For a minute, nothing happened. Then the flames that came out of Trumbilio's shoes began to get brighter and brighter and brighter. Soon the orange and green light was so dazzling that Zan could see nothing, even though he tried to keep his eyes open. After this, the flames died down. The cave lit up with a mysterious blue light and on the table Zan saw a little boy. But the magician, he was nowhere to be seen. So, so scared was Zan that he was about to run out of the cave when the boy spoke to him. Don't go away, Zan. If you stay, you will see a lot more. 
Now I am going to be changed into a dog. Again the cave grew dark. In the darkness, Zan thought he saw all kinds of things. Little sparks of light everywhere. Every color. They seemed to float in the air, and there was the strong smell of roses. At last, the blue light came on again. Trumbilio was standing near the table, and on the table was a dog. The magician whistled. The dog jumped off the table and ran to Zan. Trumbilio said, There's a dog for you. You can take him home if you'd like. Zan was so surprised at all he had seen that he could not speak. He just stood there, patting the dog and looking at the magician. Finally, he said, You have changed the little boy into an animal. Could you change me into one? Trumbilio said, I can change you into any kind of animal you wish. Tell me and I'll do it. Zan thought. Often he had wished to become an animal, but now that the chance was at hand, he could not make up his mind which one it would be. He thought to himself, A dog has a nice life. It runs in the fields all day, and at night it gets to sleep by the fire. But perhaps it would be more fun to be a wild animal. I don't want to be a horse or a donkey. They have to work too hard. And so in his mind, he ran over every possible animal he could think of. Then he said to the magician, I think I'd like to be a frog. Why a frog? asked Trumbilio. That's a strange animal to want to be. But the boy insisted that he would rather be a frog than anything else. He wanted to be able to sit by a pool all day and dive and swim. And in the evening he could croak and make a noise just like all the other frogs. These things he told the magician. And Trumbilio said, Since that what you wish, it shall be done. But you must make up your mind to do whatever I say. If you don't, my magic may not work, and you won't become a frog. So Zan promised to do everything he was told, and Trumbilio made ready to turn him into a frog. First he lit a fire in a golden brazier. After it was burning well, he took out a long slender pipe. He dipped the bowl of the pipe into a pot of liquid he had near him, and then he started to blow. His little cheeks puffed up until it seemed they would burst. Finally, out of the bowl of the pipe, a bubble started to grow. It grew and grew the harder he blew and did not stop growing until it was big enough to hold the boy. Then the magician held it over the fire, and the flames ran into the glass bubble and danced just as if the whole thing were ablaze. But it could not have been hot, for Trumbilio lifted it off the pipe with his own hand and carried it over to the table. After setting it down very carefully, he said, Come, step onto the table and walk into the bubble. Zan looked at him in surprise. How could he walk into a glass bubble without it breaking? Anyhow, he did as the magician told him to do. He climbed up onto the table, and with his hands in front of his eyes, he stepped right through the glass. Nothing happened. Nothing broke. 
and in fact he found himself inside a large sphere, and he was entirely surrounded, surrounded by dancing flames. Still he could hear the voice of the magician, who was saying, Are you in? Do what I tell you. I'm in, said Zan. What are you going to do to me? Trimbilio said, Now sit down and hold your knees in your arms. After that, Zan heard nothing more. And very slowly, the glass sphere started to turn. At first, it turned so slowly that he hardly noticed. But it always kept going a little faster. Round and round and round it went. And soon it was spinning as fast as a top. Zan tried to keep from getting dizzy. All he could see were flames rushing by him at tremendous speeds. He made an effort to shout, but his voice had left him. And finally things grew black, and he remembered nothing more. The next morning, just as the sun was coming up, Zan found himself on a big rock at the edge of a pool. He tried to speak, and all he could do was croak, for he was no longer a boy but a frog. The sun felt very warm and very nice, so he gave a hop and dove into the water. This is great fun, he thought, to be able to swim as well as this. All that day he did nothing but swim and lie on the rock in the sun. He was glad to be a frog and spend all his time in the water. The day passed and evening came, and after the sun had gone down, the water began to get cold. So the frog hopped out onto the rock, but that was cold too. He looked around for a warm spot but could find none. He thought, what am I to do? I can't stay here and be cold all night. So he left the pool and started to hop home. When he got there, though he croaked and croaked for all he was worth, no one paid any attention to him. And he had to spend the night out in the garden under a cabbage leaf. All the frog wished for now was to be changed back to a boy again. But how this could be done he did not know. He could not remember how to get to the magician, and even if he could remember, he never could have hopped up that hill. However, he did have a feeling that if someone would call him by his own name, the spell might be broken. So he hopped up to the house and put his head in at the door. His mother was sitting there sewing. When she saw the frog, she called to her husband and said, Here's a frog. What do you think he has come here for? The frog said, Chug-a-runk, chug-a-runk, chug-a-runk. The man said, The garden is full of them. They come out of that pool over there. Give them to me and I'll throw him back in. So he picked up the frog, carried him back to the pool, and threw him in. Again the frog hopped back to the house and sat by the door and croaked. Chug-a-runk, chug-a-runk, chug-a-runk. Just then it happened that the boy's mother dropped her needle. The frog hopped in, picked up the needle, and jumped up onto the woman's lap with it. The woman said, You're a nice frog. Stay here with me and I'll feed you. 
The father, when he heard what the frog had done, thought it all foolishness. He said, Don't keep that frog in here. He'll only be a nuisance. But the mother insisted, and she kept the frog in the house and fed him well. After a while, they both came to like the frog very much, and they wanted to give him a name, but they could think of none. The woman said, He's so nice and kind. Why don't we name him after our boy who has gone? You don't want to name a frog after our son. That wouldn't be right, said the man. The frog went, Chugrum, chugrum, chugrum. And the man and the woman could not agree. So they did not name the frog. The frog stayed with them and lived in a bucket of water in the kitchen. Later on, they again talked about naming him. And the frog made such a noise and jumped around so that the woman became suspicious. See, she said, whenever we talk about naming him, he gets very happy. I think he is someone that has been turned into a frog. I'm going to name him. She picked the frog out of the bucket and looked into his eyes. And the frog began to cry and said, Chugarug. I don't care what you say, said the mother. I am going to name him Zan. She looked at the frog and said, Zan. No sooner had she said it than the frog turned into a boy, and in her arms the old woman was holding her very own son. Then Zan told her all about what had happened to him, and his mother was sorry that she had not given the frog a name long before. It wasn't her fault, said Tall. I don't blame her for not wanting to name a frog after her boy. Nobody said it was her fault, said Millie Tinkle, who had been asleep during most of the story, but was now sitting on her hind legs, rubbing her sleepy eyes with her hooves. Nobody said anything about that. Why didn't you listen to the story? I did, said Tall. He spoke crossly, for he saw no reason for the donkey's words. You're the one that didn't listen. Yes, I did, said the donkey. You were asleep, said Tall, triumphantly. You just woke up. And to himself he thought that at last he had got the best of Millie Tinkle. But I can hear in my sleep, said the donkey. That's why I'm better off than you. Tall's jaw dropped and his eyes opened wide. For a while he did not say anything. He just gaped at Nooms or Noom. Then he asked, Is that true? If Millie Tinkle says so, it must be, said the old man. She knows. But you know that I was listening to the story, said Tall, wasn't I? Yes, said the old man. Then Millie Tinkle has no right to say what she did, continued Tall. And I don't care whether she can hear in her sleep or not. She shouldn't have said I wasn't listening. You tell her so. She was just having some fun with you, said the old man, smiling. You mustn't mind so much. It's her way of having a good time. But I don't like it, insisted Tall. I don't want you to think I wasn't listening when I was. I know you were, said Noomzor Noom, so don't worry about that. And don't be bothered about what Millie Tinkle says. She loves to argue. I can make her stop if you want me to. But you wouldn't like to spoil her fun, would you? Tall looked at Millie Tinkle. 
And as he looked, she smiled and winked at him and made the little golden bells tinkle. And Tall just laughed to himself and thought, what a wonderful donkey she really was. He turned to the old man and said, no, don't stop her. She can argue with me all she wants.